and welcome to POMcast, the podcast brought to you by Pom Pom Quarterly. We are here as we are once a month. My name's Lydia Gluck and I'm here with Sophie. Hi. Sophie I'm, Scott, sorry, hi, give Scott. your full name. Official. <laughs> uh, yes, this is a fun podcast. We talk about the knitting magazine Pom Pom Quarterly. You may have heard of it. Uh, we talk about wools, yarns, fibres, fun. Needles. Larks. Little bit of weaving. Yeah. A little, uh, little bit about other things we like. So if you like that and... If you, you like, like things. If you like things. If you like knitting and stuff. You're in the right ear hole. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully... <laughs> so uh, hopefully you're all ready for a full hour of uh, knit chat. Because um, that's what we've got for you. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> okay. I think we're both a bit giddy from from delicious juice that our uh, editor and uh, Eli gave us. Our editor and Eli. <laughs> our friend. <laughs> our friend and editor, and the only Eli in my life. Yeah. Same here. Uh, he gave us some delicious juice he made, and it had much sugar in it. Anyway, what have you been up to, man? What do I need to know about you? On a knit to know basis. On a knit to know basis. <laughs> Sophie does a little special smug smile when she says that. I just love that phrase. <laughs> oh yeah, if you like puns, you're also in the right. Yeah, place. yeah. Anyway, uh, let's see. Well, we'll get to the knitting stuff soon, of course. But on a knit to know basis, um, I went swimming in the sea this week. Great. This I is went swimming a nice in the sea. Summary thing. That's fun. Yeah. So that's step one. Already yeah. good. Step two. I went swimming in the sea, but it was nighttime. Whoa. And the moon was out. What? It was completely clear night. It was beautiful. So I went swimming with a, a group of people just sort of on the Sussex coast. Um, and the moon was glorious and full and glowing. And the sea was all like kind of moody and dark, but transparent and had all those amazing kind of dark shades of green and purple in it. And the moon was reflected on the sea and Perfect. swam around for not that long because, you know, a little cold, but it was very... Uh, invigorating nice that's a good thing it was wonderful and i also went to see the georgia o'keefe exhibition wow for we are in london town we certainly are um and i would highly recommend it if i think it's on till october yeah i want to go see it's like yeah the tate mon's big exhibition for this summer isn't it yeah Yeah. it's really wonderful um lots of amazing colors some skulls i do like skulls yeah and and like colors and and i like colors and i also like giant flowers yes Mm, so (laughs) so highly recommended uh, anything from you, Soph? Well, yeah, big news for me. I uh, on a knit to know. Uh, I now work at Pom Pom full time. Hooray! Hooray! You guys might think I worked there. Well, I kind of did sometimes, but now I'm full time. Yeah. So that's it. Was sad to leave Loop. Um, but yeah, times come. These little, these times, they are a changing. I tell you are. what, they are so- changing. <laughs> so now we have Sophie as a full team member. Very She's been exciting. cluttering up the studio with yeah. her fresh flowers and. Mugs like, whistling because I'm happy. I don't know, like. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's exciting, and hopefully, yeah, we'll have exciting things in the future, podcast and otherwise, for you guys. Uh, more time Indeedy. to do with that. So that's only a good thing. The only way is up. Yeah. Only way is Essex. No, no. <laughs> the only way uh, is Sussex. What? What? <laughs> so another fun piece of news within the pom pom. So we say family. Yeah. Yeah. Megan, our co-founder, friend, editor, humanoid. <laughs> had a baby she certainly did and her baby is adorable and called sabine and everybody is happy and healthy yeah as far as we know um and well, so we couldn't be happier yeah 
that we get to see baby pictures. Yay! So congrats to Megan and her lovely husband. So he was involved somehow, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's been kicking around there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's very exciting and there's uh, lots of jumping up and down in the pom-pom office about that. So there has. There's good. been a few little happy tears shared, yeah. I think. Um, <laughs> Weeping openly over Skype. Yeah. Oh, baby, so beautiful. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's all been a jolly kind of... We're getting near the end of the summer now. Yeah. Good times. So what comes at the end of the summer? Autumn. Certainly does. And what's that? The autumn issue. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So under our news heading, we will have this section now. News. Autumn. <laughs> autumn 2016. Now out. Uh, we talked about it a bit in the last podcast. The theme, of course, was natural dying. Mm-hmm. The print issue has been out for a good few weeks. Yeah, but the digital yeah. issue, or edition, sorry, of the same issue, uh, will be released by the time this podcast is out. So if you were waiting for that, uh, pause this podcast and, and go and get it, but you know. Then come straight back. <laughs> yeah, so um, we have been very, very happy with the reception of the issue. I mean, we love it and we're really glad that lots of other people do too. Uh, what kind of things are in there, Soph? Oh, wow. Got? You've got some dying tutorials from uh, wonderful people like Caitlin French. Also, uh, a lovely lady who goes by the name of In the Wool Shed. She's exactly. Emma, yes? Emma, yeah. Yep, yep. With her mm-hmm. dip dye tutorial. Uh, Bridget Henderson of uh, Kanga Blues, Blues yeah, yeah. from South Africa. She's got a eco print tutorial. Yeah, yeah. Also some fun, as an interview uh, by Anna Maltz and uh, some beautiful botanical illustrations by Katie Green, who we've had illustrating with us for a couple of issues now. Yeah, she's been working, you know, she's done quite a lot of really wonderful uh, sort of comic style pieces, graphic novel style uh, mini pieces for the magazine and for this issue we asked her to draw the uh, plants or bugs that each yarn was dyed with so those are in the pattern spreads and they look wonderful, she's done them in kind of old fashioned botanical really nice. style kind of like, with her little, like, yeah, yeah. Well, she's done them on uh, scratch board That's and it, yeah. she, uh, but obviously with, with the Katie Green style um, but they're really really wonderful and we're really pleased with the issue and we hope you like it too yeah well, if you're stuck where to start on this issue, I mean, you've got your great articles, but obviously it's the knitting. That's mm-hmm. what we're about. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are stuck with where to start. Where? What were your faves, Lydia? Well, I can't choose favourites, oh, as course. we know I'm not of allowed. Course, that would yes. be like choosing a favourite child. Um. Tiny, woolly child. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, I can... Uh, so the ones I'm going to knit first. Right, right. I can I can tell you about those. Well, I've already started knitting one of them, but I won't do that now. I'll do that in tell and tell. Yes. But uh, next, next on the list is Rocaine by Christina Denae, which I just bought some yarn for. I bought some of uh, Viola's uh, Morsberg DK Lovely. in the colour Mustard Seed, which will surprise nobody. Love <laughs> mustard. So, in the, so th- this is the kind of Gansey-inspired uh, jumper that's yellow in the magazine and has really, uh, like, well, you know, a kind of Gansey kind of triangles. Those knits and pearls, nestling up, making that texture. Exactly. That's what we're about. <laughs> textury triangles. Um, and I think I'm going to probably be making an Asklov hat because mm, nice. my sister, upon receiving her copy of the magazine, sent me a picture of that hat. Like, she photographed the magazine and sent it to me saying, this is the best hat ever! <laughs> subtle so, much? So, subtle with a B. Yeah. <laughs> Puts the, puts the bee in subtle, that's She it. certainly does. Um, yeah, so I think I'm probably going to have to bump that up there. Nice. Um, oh, hat. and I was talking to Jemima, who is long-time collaborator with tech magazine editor. Tech Editor of ours. Um, and I remembered her saying that she wanted to make that hat and that she'd taken her inspiration for the colour combination from some vintage fabric she had. Oh, nice. That's a good place to start. I think yeah. Juju said that in an interview with us, with, a, with us, we'll be talking to her. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good place to start. Saying that if... 
that like fabric was a good place to get. Yeah, if you're stuck about what colours to pick, choose a print mm. that you like, and then you can start pulling the you know the elements of the colour from there. So it's a good plan. Mm. Yeah, it's a nice way to step outside your normal groove, colour groove. Everyone gets in one. You know, it's like when you're cooking from the rain, same recipe all the time. Get a new cookbook. <laughs> Try some fun new stuff. Sumac? What the hell's that? I don't know. I'm going to use it in a, in a recipe soon. Yay! And then knit with Thanks, Otolengi. Yes, and then I will knit <laughs> with it. <laughs> anyway, uh, how about you? What are your uh, faves or what are you going to make? I'm really excited about um, Desily, mm-hmm. which is by... Hannah Masterchevska. Oh, beautiful name. And a beautiful card again. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Oh, sorry, I tried. I just let you take that one really subtly, yeah. Um, sort of a lilac cardi. It's got mock cables just peeping over the shoulders. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't. It doesn't button up. So the um, the fronts are kind of flat and open. Yeah. And that allows you to have all these like trailing cables down the front. Mm. Reverse stocking stitch, which is not usually a fan of, but I like it on this. It's lovely. So... And it is nice because of the kind of... Because it's open, it does look really lovely over a kind of nice dress. Yeah, so it's nice. a good kind of transition to autumn that's what i'm thinking beautiful that's what i'm thinking cool but uh maybe we should talk about tell and tell like because we... we're both making things from this issue yeah, so yeah. we might as well just get there i've just finished one actually i've been oh, doing the Turion mitts uh which is by linda dubeck mm-hmm. and they have uh the little cable at the back of the hand yeah. and little bobbles bobbles little bobbles the bigger the bobble the better indeed there we go <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah, so quick and fun. Did them a nice little chunky Aaron, which is uh, similar Grosso mm-hmm. by a company called BC Garn in an amazing pop pink. It is quite a colour. Electric. It's beautiful. And I'm already planning like how many more I can knit in time for Christmas for gifts. So. Yeah, I was going to say, they. I think it'll, they'll be a really great hit for that. I mean, they're amazing yes. and really quick. Kind of, yeah, they're lovely with the simple reverse stocking stitch again and the just the little detail there. Bobbles. Beautiful. Just nice. the lovely bobbles. Um, yeah, I'm already planning to make some of those. Got some yarn set aside right there. And tell me, tell me what you're knitting. Well, I've been working on a tannin scarf. So that was uh, the pattern by Sally Oakley again from issue 18. Um, and in the, the, the original sample is in a kind of really beautiful pale, um, kind of neutral. Uh, but I'm making my scarf in an insanely bright sort of neon-y purple. Uh, the colour is called... New nail polish. So I'm already nice. there because I love nail varnish. I'm all about that stuff. And it's, it's like an 80s electric neon purple. It's really amazing. So um, and the colour, the yarn is uh, Rainbow Heirloom yarn. So that's um, Emily Wessel, who is one half of Tin Can. It's, it's mm-hmm. her um, yarn. And I bought, I got this yarn. So it's, I've got, you know, two skeins of DK. So it's like, this scarf is a really, it's a good one for um, a small amount of yarn going a long way. Yeah. Because of the, the stitch pattern's very open. It's kind of crisscross. Uh, I don't really know how to describe it, but um, it's a very easy to two row repeat, but it creates a kind of lovely open work um, pattern that means that just two skeins of DK go a really long perfect, way. Perfect. Um, yeah, so I've got this rainbow heirloom, heirloom in this <laughs> insane colour. And I'm like two thirds of the way through, I think. Nice. I've been ticking along. Well. And because it's just the two row repeat, it's really easy to memorise. And it's quite a nice little uh, little pattern to be clicking away on in the background. And it has got fringing. Oh, <gasps> love that. So that's pretty exciting. Super exciting. And I'm considering doing the fringe in an exciting colour. Yes, like bright Contrast. Pink. Oh, yes. <laughs> love it, love it. But I might not. We'll see, we'll see. We shall see. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's that. And I did also just start an Altair shawl 
in uh, which is from the summer issue. Mm-hmm. Joanne's Grace of Not So Granny designed that, and the original sample is in um, viola merino lace. Nice. And I was going through my stash, got a skein of viola merino lace that How I bought lucky is like that? four years ago, and I think I, I I didn't you know you don't forget about something <laughs> like that, but I'd sort of forgotten that I had the exact right yarn for this pattern. Nice. Four um, years. I think so. Yeah, stash I've had bust- it a long time. Oh, that's some stash busting. Who are you gonna call? Stash busters. <laughs> a new segment for us write that down <laughs> um <laughs> so it happens that's the magic <laughs> yeah so um i got started on my uh, train journey back from nice. my lovely seaside swimming uh visit i got started on that hadn't done crochet for quite some time so it was nice to get a little you know mix it up a bit nice. yeah we we love both we, we love do. the crochet we do we love the knitting So for review for this uh, podcast, we have a lovely book called DIY Woven Art by Rachel Denbow. Woven, eh? Woven. That's not knitting, I hear <laughs> But we think this book is quite a treat, so uh, we're excited to talk about it. So yeah, well, because we had our um, weaving tutorial in the summer issue, which mm-hmm. I think I talked about how excited I was about how cool weaving is. And that, that excitement has not been crushed at all. Nope. People, People have tried. <laughs> So Rachel Denbow is a self-taught weaver. Um, really cute that she fell in love with it when she was a little fourth grader and she got to make a little like pot holder. She's like, this is magic. I can make things out of fibery things. So uh, this book is like, yeah, her enthusiasm of like teaching other people to do it, to make practical and beautiful things. Yeah, so um, it's mostly kind of, there's a lot of like wall hangings, but like you say, a lot of practical things. There's yeah. a clutch. There's a clutch and a like a table runner and um, some cushions. But yeah, yeah, mostly it's kind of um, one of the nice things I think about this is quite. I was surprised at how like fresh and contemporary it was. Mm. Like you know, I wasn't sure what to expect with like weaving, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and the colours. I think you, you're in your notes, and I definitely agree that the colours. <laughs> yeah, I agree with your notes. So <laughs> the colours that are used, yeah, are really. Uh, feel very modern. There's a lot of like mustard and mint and like really cool like kind sorbet, of... like yummy colors. Yeah, and a lot of cool tassels. Yeah, and um, really beautiful like the way um, the wall hangings are displayed, like on copper pipe. Mm. It's very pretty, and it did make me think. You know, if I would hang a picture on my wall, I know it's a thing that people do hang weaving on their wall, but it never occurred to me to make that. Yeah. So um, the book, it's sort of the way it's written is that you have a very comprehensive introduction um, to the tools. And I, one other thing I really like about it as well, there's very low tech options because obviously yeah. you're maybe not going to go out and buy a loom straight away. But uh, Rachel gives you the instructions to sort of do some very low tech cardboard and tape situations. Mm. And then there's like a little like next step, step up, you know, like just a little bit of easy DIY, bit of screws, a couple of planks of wood, you know, and you're sorted. And yeah. I think that's the nice thing to have that you know, accessibility to a craft, especially when you're just starting out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's probably even within my means to to bang a few nails in yeah, exactly. at the yeah. correct intervals and sort of make a, 
a little a little loom there. Yeah, and she's got lots of uh, info about yeah, buying yarns and materials. Also, like some tips on designing, like thinking about composition and sort of the textures you want to use. Yeah. Uh, the instructions are really clear. That's another thing I liked about this book was yeah. that, like the photos really um, sort of very visually uh, minded. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I found you know because you know I got into. I really enjoyed the weaving that um, when we were shooting the tutorial and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get a proper loom. And I didn't, you know, straight away because I do have a tendency, as many people probably do, to just buy something straight away. And and, uh, looking at this book today, I was like, okay, yeah, so I could make uh, something a bit smaller scale, maybe using, you know, things I just have lying around or things I can get my hands on very easily and um, sort of work my way up to, to spending the big bucks. Exactly. And the techniques as well. It starts with like a basic, you know, you think of weaving think of over and under, mm. you get that. And then progressively the projects, um, they introduce new techniques. So you've got things like, okay, so here's some stuff for your, you know, weaving dictionary. Uh-huh. Uh, diagonal slit weave. All right. All right. You've got raya knots, I think that's pronounced, mm-hmm. which is basically fringe. Mm-hmm. Uh, sumac stitch. Hey, you mentioned sumac earlier. Yeah, but I was thinking, no, I was thinking of that funny red stuff oh. that Turkish... And I like this, when she writes about that, she's like teaching you about that. She's like, watch out world, we're going to get fancy. <laughs> That's what I want from my instructions. People I want to get fancy. <laughs> need this book, yeah. Um, there's also some cool experimental projects where she's like, oh, try wire and feathers or like maybe leather, like a bit more kind of uh, yeah. creative process to that. So, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was, I mean, really, really inspiring, basically. I just, and, and very uh, attainable. Yeah. And a really clear progression through the projects where, like you said, you start out doing just kind of what we would all recognise as, as weaving just yeah. over and under, making smaller things, yeah, like wall hangings. Um, and there's a rug. Oh, yeah, there's the rug Oh, my project. God, the rug is so cool. That's the thing when you see it, you're like, that's what I've been missing. It, like, why rug. haven't I made a rug? Yeah, yeah. What is wrong with me? Um, and I immediately started Googling, <laughs> like, buying, uh, like, a frame uh, loom. Yeah. And that okay. kind of, you know, I just immediately was like, oh my God, this is what I need to do right now. Um, and I also thought a lot of the yarns, I mean, as we said, the colours were really lovely, but a lot of the yarns were ones that we both recognised. I think I had a look at the back and there was like Quince and Co, yeah. Pearl Soho. So uh, that was just fun. Nice. Well, if you're excited about this, you're thinking, I want to run out and buy a loom. Hold your horses because you might be able to just win one, right? This is a tip top giveaway. Yeah. So we usually have giveaways with the podcast. So if you're li- listening like, relatively recently now within yeah. the context of uh, here. <laughs> if you're listening Today. Uh, fairly soon <laughs> after the release of the podcast. I like using the more abstract sense <laughs> of like, listening now, kind of in the space of the world. Um, we have a cracking giveaway. Yeah, really lovely uh, set of goodies. We have a paperback copy of Rachel Denbo's book, DIY Woven Art, which is uh, by uh, Interweave. Mm-hmm. It's coming out in September, just so you know. Uh, a laser cut wooden loom and toolkit, which is courtesy of uh, jocelynvilla.com. We have Pearl Soho's exclusive fibres in some gorgeous late summer hues. Mm. Mm, delicious. And a copper pipe. Previously mentioned. I was talking about the copper yeah, pipe. To use as a dowel to complete the weaving bundle. I mean, that's pretty special. So. That is. Oh, I want to win that prize. <laughs> And you should too. I know, we were quite tempted. Anyway, <laughs> but we're giving it to you guys because we love you. So head on to the uh, Pom Pom website, pompommag.com, and mm-hmm. there's the blog. Uh, no, it's not the blog. There is the blog, but there's also the podcast section, which is where you'll find all the info about the show and how to enter the giveaway. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So we'll put all the details up there along with uh, the dates that you need to put your entry in by and all that kind of stuff. Best of luck to all of you. 
So for this podcast, I'm joined by uh, Tom of Holland, uh, which is your sort of, uh, maybe uh, your, not your pen name, your needle name. My needle name, your, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Tom uh, Van Dijen? Van Dijen. Da- oh, Dijen, sorry. Um, so yeah, we'll stick with Tom, shall we? Yes, Tom is good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yes, I'm joined Tom. Uh, we're not in Holland, we're in Brighton at the moment. Uh, uh, for want of a better word, I suppose, your local yarn shop, which yeah. is Yak. Yeah, that's true. And uh, yeah, so you describe yourself as a, a textiles, uh, self-taught textiles practitioner. Uh, for people who don't know your work, how would you sort of describe your practice and what you do? Um, so I think, so for me, that term I actually stole from Sandy Black, who introduced me at either in the Loop uh, conference or a knitting history forum, I can't remember what. And she said, oh, this is Tom. And for want of a better word, I'll call him a textile practitioner. And I thought, oh, I like that. (laughs) Um, So what I think that means is um, that I do, um, I've got general interest in textiles. I enjoy working with textiles and fibre. I started off mostly with knitting. And I then um, got interested in repairing First of all, my very first hand knit socks, which you know took me forever to make, and um, um, I put so much time and effort and skill in trying to make a nice pair of socks that when I had to darn them, I thought I need to do something decent there as well. Uh, so I started to explore how to repair knit knitted fabrics, and you know when you read books or whatever, also other things. So I kind of started exploring that side of things as well. So for me, the knitting. Uh, and the mending, the making and the creating and the repairing, all kind of one one thing for me. They're not discrete parts of what I do. And so with the with the phrase self-taught, it makes me, it, it brings to mind that you've, it's more of a recent thing that you've got into textiles? Yeah, or? well, recent is now about, maybe about 10 years now, but, um, you know, it's got a few people ask me, uh, what college I went to or you know what what art degree do you have and I don't have any of that so I taught everything I know I've taught myself either through books or the internet um, or just sitting in with other people who know how to do things and just learn through them yeah yeah and, and what was there like a, a catalyst moment yeah like no I need to start doing this or, or what happened well <laughs> so the repairing side of things actually kind of bubbled along ever since I was a teenager where um, I've always been quite conscious about buying clothes with the aim of being able to wear them for more than one season. That's always been important to me. And um, um, and then another thing that leads into this is um, I really liked fashion, uh, particularly when I was uh, a bit younger. I spent a lot of money on fashion and also my mum um, is a really good knitter. So when one time... I saw a very, very expensive hand-knit scarf in a, in a boutique. So it's, oh, geez, even I find that too expensive for a <laughs> scarf. And then I thought, hang on, I kind of remember how to knit. I'm sure I can learn it again if I buy one of those how to learn to knit in 10 easy steps yeah. books. So that's what I did. Um, I bought some yarn and needles and I made a scarf completely different from what I saw in the shop. Different color, different stitch, different everything. Um, but I really enjoyed it and I think... After that, I tried to make a little tank top thing from a pattern and I just didn't enjoy knitting from a pattern. And somebody told me about Ravelry. So I found out about um, Elizabeth Zimmerman 
and after that yeah i just realized that that really opened my uh my mind about knitting and you can do what you want rather than slavishly follow a pattern um yeah so that's kind of that's where it started really for me that's like the the epic moment is yeah. the scarf I couldn't afford. It sounds it's very familiar, a lot of people saying it and then I discovered Ravelry and everyone's yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're saying uh self-taught, you did a lot of your uh you know research through books and mm. uh, the internet. And I was looking at your projects, uh, you document them a lot on your blog, which is very interesting. And there's a lot of um historical research and yeah. traditional techniques that you like using. <coughs> yeah. Um I was wondering if you tell us sort of your process for that research and sort of what techniques and uh, traditions do you get drawn to most? I, I, I've always been a book person, like, I love books um, and so I have a lot and lot of books on textiles in general and knitting in particular um, and I'm, I've always been drawn to the technical side of, of things so that I like to know how you do something to get the best results and when I go through my books I've got a lot of really old needlecraft books um, and there particularly when it comes to sewing hand sewing and repairing the old books go into a lot of detail like if this is the damage that's how you should repair it because that's the best or the strongest or you know whatever the situation is or the least uh, intrusive so if you want to fix a bit of lace then you do something completely different than uh, if you want to fix um, some tea towels because you know tea towels need to be washed frequently so the repair needs to be really strong whereas lace on a on a dress you want to try and make it as you know um, invisible as possible particularly you know, that's the idea usually behind repairs for people trying to do it invisible yeah so that's kind of um, so I just enjoy going through books and looking up how to do things and then um, I kind of store it in my brain and then when I come across a situation where I'm not quite sure how to fix it or how, what to do or what technique to use, things start clicking in my head and then suddenly it's like, oh yeah, I remember reading about this somewhere and then I, I go back to my, my uh, little library and look it up and then in front of me in a book. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the, the first projects I saw of yours which I uh, thought was really interesting was um, uh, an exhibition, I think it was at Prick Your Finger, and you did uh, gloves inspired by liter you know, characters yeah, in literature. Yeah. Could you maybe yeah. talk about that? Because I, I, yeah. I really like that one. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, so that was my uh, the Reading Gloves um, artwork or piece. Um, <coughs> uh, particularly when I was a bit younger, I read a lot of novels and I really liked classic, like, meaty novels. <laughs> so... Um, I found out about Prick Your Finger as a yarn shop in Bethnal Green, and sadly closed now. Um, and I just walked in, and I, I I don't know exactly how I came to this idea uh, of the gloves, but I was talking to uh, Rachel and Louise that ran the shop, and I was like, I've got this idea about, um, you know, I, I'd like to try and portray characters uh, by knitting gloves that you know represent the characters and I said oh my god that sounds amazing that you should really do that and I thought they were just being nice um, but um, next time I came back I said so Tom when when do you want to do the, the gloves yeah, and yeah. we can show them in our <laughs> shop and say oh <laughs> they're actually serious about it because I was kind of thinking about because uh, um, I, I just enjoy knitting like how when can you make something that isn't 
of immediate use. That's how I was thinking about. I was thinking very practically about knitting at the time. Um, so I said, you know, I've got this idea, which sounds great, but why why should I bother making it? But they were so encouraging, and she said, oh, you should just show it in our shop. I thought, okay, that sounds great. Yeah, so I, I made um, uh, Anna Karenina, so I knitted um, a deconstructed pair of gloves mm -hmm. in, in, in black lace, um, portraying the, uh, in the moment, just after she uh, jumped from the train. Um, I did Dorian Gray, so I knitted uh, one pair, very pristine, perfectly knitted white gloves, you know, ready to go out for the evening. And I knitted another pair um, where I made a lot of mistakes and I made them dirty and I took a, a photograph of them to, yeah. to nice. show the portrait. Right, and yeah. I really like that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the last one was um, Lady Chatterley's Lover, so I, I, I knitted Lady Chatterley in a, in a very demure, uh, undyed Wensleydale, which you know looked quite shiny, yeah. and um, the cuff looked a bit like a corset, uh, um, and I knitted in a little wedding ring, and then I knitted uh, Mella, the gamekeeper, um, very coarse hemp, yeah. <laughs> rough gloves, and uh, they kind of um, were displayed on a brown blanket because the first time they they get together, um, they, um, they're they in a chicken coop yeah. and they lie down on a, on a brown blanket. So there they were, yeah. actual chicken feathers strewn across <laughs> it. <laughs> I, I wish I could have seen it because when I read about it, I think what a like fun little project it would have been with all the details that you Yeah, made. yeah, that's what I really enjoyed thinking about, like how can I make it that person yeah. that I, I read about in a book. Nice. So a little bit more about knitting. So some of the more practical knitting things you've done, I suppose, rather than, uh, I don't know, exhibition stuff. Which yeah. is, um, so you've recently contributed to uh, Kate Davies' Book of Haps, mm -hmm. and uh, you have a couple of uh, your own sort of self-published patterns. And like I said, again, your your projects on your blog, there's um, most of your stuff, I notice it's a very technical consideration of the, mm. the construction and yeah. you, you talked a little bit about that but maybe you could tell us more about how you you approach di designing and sort of the elements you think of when you're doing that <laughs> I don't think it's a very conscious thing per se um, but yeah uh, like I said before I really enjoy um, trying to use the right technique in the right situation yeah, so when I when I come across something that I an idea I have, I, I might think about um, you know the different techniques I could use and why I would try something uh, or use a particular technique, and I might do a bit of swatching to make sure that it actually mm. works the way it's in my head because you know it's not all it doesn't always come out the way you think um, it might do. Um, yeah, there is a lot of technical consideration. Um, I think it's just because that's what I really enjoy mm. about the knitting is it can be really technical if you want it. I think that's what's great about knitting is you can take lots of different things from it. You know, you can make, uh, you could publish a pattern and some people just go, oh, that's just very pretty jumper. Whereas other people might go, oh, I really like the way that the colors are used or how the construction is made mm. or, you know, different people get different things out, out of a pattern. And I think that's, really nice that's really enjoyable yeah so and for me it's the technical side like how do you construct something how can you make something uh, really clever or um, I recently knitted um, Orchid Thief uh, Charlotte by Isolde mm -hmm. for an auntie and I really enjoyed 
uh, knitting it because the way Isolde had designed the increases, so you start with a garter stitch tab and then you expand from there, but she'd um, made it so that you don't really notice the increases at all um, because it's a lace pattern and then she's kind of hidden them in the lace pattern in yeah. a very clever way, so you knit it and yeah. I really enjoy that kind of, oh that's very clever yeah. and maybe other people might just think oh it's just a pretty shawl and I'm going to knit it and mm -hmm. they don't really see what I see and yeah some people do and some people don't. No I, 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 yeah. I understand what it is, there is a satisfaction as a knitter when you have that project that you're like it sort of it flows in the <coughs> construction there has yeah. been that thought behind it because you know yeah. you can just knit a thing and that's enjoyable but then yeah the the detail of it yeah 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 anyway so we both like knitting, that's established, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, another thing you're maybe uh, more, I don't know, more well known for, or you're definitely known for, is uh, your darning work. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the things you set up was the Visible darn, uh, visible Mending Project, sorry. Yeah. Um, and as the title would suggest, it's uh, fixing things with a, you know, more of a focus on making the, the fix or the patch uh, obvious. Yeah. And um, what was that, what was the conscious uh, decision to make that, uh, that project? Uh, so, um... Like I hinted at uh, previously, I've always done a bit of repairing and fixing of clothes. Um, and because I didn't really know what I was doing, that it always ended up being visible. Um, so I, I then kind of started to do that as a feature, but I then started to realize um, when I took up knitting, when you knit something, you put a lot of thought into um, the thing you're knitting so you think about the yarn you're going to use the pattern maybe you even design it yourself so then you you end up thinking even more about the, the thing that you're making um, and then when you look back at the the, the garment or whatever you made you say, oh yeah I remember casting that on on a dreary day mm. or you know I took it to see friends and you know it's just all these little things are hidden yeah. in the, in the garment that are maybe only you know because you're the person that made it so it makes it very personal um, and then repairing things um, often people want to make it look as if um, it's still new and so you kind of hide the history and that's the history is actually what I, I like mm, in, yeah. in, in garments um, so you know if you start to repair it in a more visible way then you can add layers of history and, and connection to the garment and I think if you repair some something um, that you bought in a shop um, initially maybe you don't have that same kind of connection with that mm. thing then um, if you would have if you'd made it yourself but you know it might be a very comfortable sweater or um, something you bought for a special occasion um, so when that you know this gets damaged you might want to repair it and by making it more of a visible repair you can then start to see the history and I, I think that and you can start thinking about because you're going to make it visible um, you know you need to think again think about what materials am I going to use what techniques so you start putting something of yourself back mm, into it and yeah. then um, you know for me that is a way of trying to extend uh, the wear of a garment by making it a more personal thing mm. so um, yeah because I, I, I've always been conscious about um, waste and sustainability know to more or less degree throughout my life and um, um, yeah so I think highlighting the story kind of deepens the connection that you might have and mm. I, I also people might ask me about oh 
you know, what, what is that on your shirt? Or, oh, that looks really nice. Well, why is it there? And then you can kind of explain, well, you know, for me, it's important to, yeah. to wear my clothes for a long time, so I need to repair it. And, you know, kind of, in a subtle way, bring that message to people as well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you, you do your dining workshops, and I took, uh, I think it was a year or two ago, I took yeah, one of your workshops. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And it was interesting, one of the ladies who was in the workshop, she'd, uh, she'd contacted you because she had a jumper that her mother had made, which I think she was, she she didn't really like or something, or she wasn't too... Yeah, 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 that then... was, uh, um, on the blog, I, I called it um, a mother's work, yeah. like a mother's work is never done, um, because... <coughs> Um, this woman, she um, she didn't have a great relationship with her mother, and one of the few things that they could just talk about without, you know, having a bad time was um, um, knitting, because they were both um, good knitters and they enjoyed knitting. So that was one of the few things where they could just, you know, that didn't have any connotations for her when mm. she thought about her mother. So. Um, and she didn't have uh, her mother died uh, quite a few years ago now, so um, she had um, only one jumper left because a lot of things were moth eaten or given away or what have you. Um, and it was a, a jumper made in the eighties, a very boxy shape, yeah. and um, uh, the collar wasn't quite right for her. She didn't really enjoy it anymore. Wear uh, um, didn't enjoy wearing it anymore. So first she tried to dye it. It kind of didn't work out quite the way she had in mind yeah. and then uh, she thought oh not really sure what to do with it but I don't want to put it back in the wardrobe again because I, maybe what about I'm going to turn it into a cushion cover yeah. for my sofa because then you know I can see the thing that my mum knitted in you know it's there on display and it's like a nice nice memory of mm. my mother um, and then I have maybe some anger came out again. <laughs> it's the feeling I get because she then took the scissors to it and just completely hacked the thing to yeah. pieces uh, without, you know, carefully um, undoing the seams or whatever. Uh, so then it was a bit of a bit big mess. And I only found out afterwards that um, I didn't realize the jumper had actually hung over her dining room chair for about two or three years, looking at her reproachfully, like, you know, the pieces. Um, yeah, so uh, she was very, very happy when I repaired it. Uh, so I used a slightly different color, darker color gray than the original, and um, it was uh, like a cable jumper. So I, I picked out one of the cables, so I had to re-knit quite a bit of fabric mm. because the way she hacked it up, I had to unravel all these untidy seams or edges um, so it's quite a bit of re-knitting to be done and I wanted to use a slightly different cable stitch um, because I wasn't the person that originally made the jumper so it kind of reinforces that mm. aspect of it or my intervention with it and uh, it, it felt because I knew the backstory um, and it was a hand-knitted jumper it felt really intimate although I've never met this woman yeah that's um, one of the things i was to ask yeah. because if you are sort of you say it's your you know fixing your own uh, garments or you know your your connection to this thing that you've worn or this thing you've made and then how does that translate when you're doing someone else's thing that's very personal yeah it can be really personal um uh, so the, i think this was my most personal uh pro or commission that i've taken on um and i really enjoyed it and I know that uh, when I gave the jumper back, she wore it for two weeks straight. Like she was like, oh, I love it so much. Said, thank you, thank you. So she was, yeah, she was really grateful and she really um, 
enjoyed having that jumper back mm. and um, yeah I just really enjoyed fixing it and I felt really intimate to, to pick up these stitches that I knew somebody else had knitted and um, you know I know that when you knit for somebody else every stitch you make you kind of think about that mm. person so I just knew that that whole jumper was just soaked into connections yeah. for her um, yeah so um, that made me think about um, the woman that commissioned me to fix it and her mother and her relationship and you start thinking about your own your yeah. own relationship with your mother so there's lots of you know things kind of start to um, um, express themselves in certain ways mm. yeah yeah it's really a really good project it's it's interesting when you say like if you mend something and you do have that deeper connection and then that's proof the fact that she then wore that for two weeks straight yeah, yeah, so yeah. like I might be a little bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> Maybe it was only 10 days, but... <laughs> we'll go with that, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. All right, well, speaking of uh, projects and work, what uh, sort of things do you have planned uh, coming out? Yeah, so... <laughs> so that it's a, bit of, it's a bit of a bad time to ask me because I'm working on a few things that I can't talk about right now. Always the way, um, yeah. Always the way. Um, some of the things are really quite big for me. And very exciting uh, so it's really difficult not to talk about it um, but you just need to keep an eye out okay. um, you know on my blog you'll, you'll find out soon enough and um, yeah really exciting things I'm gonna concentrate a bit more on making if what I've I'm gonna work on the next year is gonna be successful then you know I might be able to work part-time or uh, and then I'll be able to do more workshops mm -hmm. again so, well yeah We'll watch this space, yeah. uh, but if people do want to uh, keep in touch and see what you're up to, where's the best place to go? So, um, I've got my blog, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Twitter and it's all Tom of Holland. Yeah. It's really easy. Yeah. I do have a few workshops coming up in the next two months, so um, I can give you the dates if you like, yes, yes. because mm -hmm. um, you know it's always nice to see people turn up, um, take, you know, take the chance to attempt them because there might not be that many turning up next year. Um, so in September, I'm actually doing uh, two lots of workshops. I'm going to Rotterdam to Jawol. Uh, so that's uh, September 10th and 11th. Uh, so I'll be running three workshops in total. And on the 17th of September, I'm doing a really exciting workshop. Well, the workshop is my regular darning masterclass, but it's gonna be at The Keep, which is the Mass Observation Archives. Um, at uh, Sussex uh, University and I've done some research there about um, uh, repairing and uh, yarn in their um, uh, women's magazines and um, actual contents of the mass observation archives and in the uh, Second World War there was a campaign, the Make Do and, Ca uh, Make Do and Men's campaign and part of that campaign was that uh, the government asked people to set up their own repair and darning workshops and um, so the, I've seen the adverts in the women's magazines, like a women's journal, um, and then in the mass observation archives, actually uh, notebooks from a woman who'd been to one of the workshops with little swatches that she like used paper clips or whatever to put them in her little notebook. So it's really, yeah, very special yeah. Uh, thing. So that's going to be on display, um, and. Um, somebody from the archives will be talking about the things so that's the 17th of September here in Brighton and then 
October 22nd, I'm doing a talk at um, Essex Handicrafts Association. And last but not least, uh, one of my favorite workshops I do uh, once in a while is at Hope and Elvis, which is in Nottingham. And um, Louise Presley that runs Hope and Elvis, very special lady. Uh, she's very creative and she has a lovely workshop. Um, and people that go there know how, you know, she, uh, Louise is very much of informal approach yeah. to things. So if you go on a workshop there uh, about darning, but you end up making a handbag. The way I run the workshop there, are, it's difficult to envision it doing it that same way somewhere mm. else, just yeah. because it's such a unique space. Yeah, so that's wonderful. wonderful. Well, everyone can check out those dates on your website. Yes. Yeah. And uh, hopefully you'll, well, you'll see Tom at one of those soon, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, That'd so be nice. Guess all to say thank you so much for meeting with me. It's such a good yeah. chat. Thank you, yeah. Tom. Yeah, oh, you're very welcome. It was really nice. Thank you for having me. And it was a shame that I couldn't come to the seaside. I've already, I've had my seaside fun this summer. So I sent Sophie down to be near the sea. Got some fish and chips. <laughs> uh, yeah, and huge thanks to uh, Kate of Yak Yarn and Knitting in Brighton to let us uh, use her space. Yeah, and it was so interesting to hear so much from Tom. Yeah. What a guy. Thanks, Tom. Um, oh, I'm excited about this. Okay. I mean, when am I not excited about what we're doing on the podcast? <laughs> I don't know, Lydia, because now we're on to knits you should know about. I'm just going to rustle my notes. We're so official here. Yep, knitters you should know about. And this one comes from a listener. It is super exciting. Do you want to tell us, Sophie, about the uh, the listener suggestion? I do. I'm going to read out her email because it's lovely. <laughs> uh, this is from uh, Madeline McDougall. Which is a brilliant name, Madeline. Yeah. Well done. We're loving, We're loving you already. <laughs> Hello, ladies. Um, oh, she says that she loves us. I was, yeah, I'm just saying that... Hello, ladies. Oh, yeah. I love your podcast. Thanks, Madeline. Thanks. <laughs> I, yeah, I forgot that bit anyway. So thanks. I've been thinking about an issue you should know about and maybe feature. It's a Canadian NHL player named Jacques Plant. Plant? Yeah. Yes. He's well known for having invented the goalie mask and is also known for being a prolific knitter and accrediting some of his success as a goalie to the fact that he thought his hand-eye coordination was improved by his knitting. Anyway, he's a pretty neat character, even knit a coat for his wife. And I thought he was a knitter you should know about. Smiley. <laughs> oh, it's a winky smile. Winky smiley Even better, yeah. He's my often, uh, often he's my C, manly men knit too, trump card, when the topic is under dispute. Haha. <laughs> Cheers. Madeline. Well, thank you, Madeline. I think that's... That is such a great email. Did you know about him? I did not. Let's tell the peeps about him now. I did a little research, yeah. a little uh, you gotta, sleuthing. You've got to check out these facts. You can't just have people sending you emails nilly. We have nilly. teams of fact checkers, guys. We've got, <laughs> I've got Dave on it, Steve's on it. Julie. Julie. Uh, she's yeah. She hasn't been around as much, but you know, she's <laughs> when she's here, she's on it. Joe vlogs. I mean, Joey, love that guy. JB, JJ, CB, <laughs> CJ. <laughs> there was a restaurant called CJ's. Anyway, doesn't matter. So, uh, Mr. Jacques Plant. His full name was Joseph Jacques Omer Plant. Wow, that's a good name. What a name. He was born in 1929, and he died in 1986. So he died quite young, a little bit younger. Um. He was Canadian, one of my people, yeah. love those guys, and he was a professional ice hockey goaltender, goalie. Yeah, ice hockey. a goaltender makes it sound, like if you're born in the 20s, you're definitely going to be a goaltender that's true, when that's you grow true. up. Um, 
So uh, this is from Wikipedia, just going to get that out there. <laughs> During a career lasting from 1947 to 1975, he was considered to be one of the most important innovators in hockey. So not only was he a knitter, he was an incredibly important hockey player. He's got himself on the map as a star in the sporting world. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he played for the Montreal Canadiens for 10 years and uh, during his tenure the team won the Stanley Cup six times I don't know a lot about hockey but I gather that that is a big deal I know this first thing like first find out about knitting second learn about ice hockey <laughs> so according to Wikipedia as a child um, Plant played hockey outdoors in the cold Quebec winters and his mum taught him to how to knit his own uh, how to knit his own uh, toques toque being the Canadian colloquialism for hat beanie like yeah beanie. it's a beanie, yeah, like a beanie. isn't it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so many facts I love it and then he wore those whilst playing hockey there's photographs of him wearing them as his like sort of trademark Um, and he continued to knit throughout his life Um, yeah and he also apparently did lots of other crafty things he painted landscapes uh, painted signs he embroidered modern renaissance man such a cool dude yeah you can't be that's the great thing like people can knit and then you can spend your life doing Whatever you want. You don't have to be characterised by that and just spend your life doing a knitting podcast. You can do it, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. You can break free. Um, so, as uh, Madeline said in her email, he was the first goalie to wear a mask. I'm amazed that they, that they didn't wear masks. Yeah, that's... Because you think of a... Like, a puck. I mean, I haven't played much hockey, but that comes anywhere near you at any... Like, not even yeah. your face at any speed. But apparently he did... His face was covered in, like, scars oh, really? and stitches and stuff, and then he started wearing a mask... And he said of this in an, in an article in 1963, Plant said, People said I was afraid when I started to use the mask in 1959, but I asked them, would you call it brave if you jumped out of a plane and didn't wear a parachute? I call it stupid. Well, you know... It, that is some impeccable logic right there. He's got to... You know, because goalies wear big gloves. He's got to look after those knitting hands. Exactly. Got to look after the face. At least <laughs> <laughs> your teeth. Jeez, I mean... <laughs> so some more facts about Jacques. Mm-hmm. Uh, he grew up in a very large family with 11 children. Wow. What? His mum taught him to knit, sew, cook, etc. Um, and he knitted, well, as we said, he knitted uh, toques. But he also knitted socks, undershirts, scarves and gloves. And even a three-quarter length coat for his wife. Nice. The facts check out. We love it. Yeah. So well done, Madeline. All good. And while I was on tour with the team, they'd be in the tour bus, like going from place to place. Uh, he'd knit. Well, he'd be knitting. Been, that's yeah. a great time. You know, yeah. we all know the journey is a great time to get some knitting in. Jack <laughs> knew that. <laughs> yeah, so he was sort of a bit of a kept himself to himself a little when it came to the uh, the team. They'd all be like drinking and playing cards, and he'd be knitting and replying to his uh, fan mail. Apparently, Aww. he sounds like a really nice person. Yeah. Um, and on knitting in his spare time while on tour, he says a fellow's got to have something to do when he's not tending the nets. And he played until he was forty six. Which I think that's a good age to be doing anything. You know, that's true, especially getting your face smashed up by by pucks. I mean, or not, hopefully. By then he was wearing a mask. By then he was wearing a mask. Sorry, my chair creaked, guys. That's, <laughs> that's part of all the magic, sorry. There's also been some background noise from builders, I think. So, yeah, so unfortunately, it's... we don't have control over them. No. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> We're practising. Um, and one last little hockey-related thing. Jacques Plant uh, was elected to the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1978. Well, that is a top-notch knitter that I'm so pleased I now know about. I'm going to bring, yeah, like you say, bring out that trump card, like Madeline said, being like, excuse me, do you know about this? Do you yeah. even know? Because you can do the like, uh, fisherman knit, yeah. and uh, pink used to be a boy's colour, and uh, Jacques Plant, who was uh, the first hockey player to wear a mask, also knitted a coat for his wife. Yeah, there the we end. go. Knitters you now know about. <laughs> Hi, 
So while we're doing Knitters You Should Know About, we've also been asking uh, for your questions for Juju. You may remember her from a couple of podcasts ago. She presented with me. It was good fun. And now we're having her as some sort of knitting slash craft agony ant. Mm-hmm. But much like in the old school magazines where you'd write in your question and then wait for it to be published a couple, maybe a month later. Yeah. There's kind of that fun delay on it. But we really do want your questions. We've, still, we've got loads. We've got a couple. It's going to be really good fun. And Juju's coming back from Canada. She actually got back. Yeah, she got back last night. Did you there know? There we go. No, I didn't know. She heard you. You've got queries, guys. So she. She uh, came rushing back. She's rushing back. Uh, so yeah, these are your uh, dilemmas of the craft-based variety. Yep, and uh, we will take them to her. We will get yeah. her answers. We will broadcast them to you. It's a pretty efficient system. That means what, what more do you want? And that's uh, yes. Yeah, so send it to the email, which is podcast at pompommag.com. And now to our final segment. Top three. Top three. Oh, such joy that we get from discussing what's the Tivity top thing of all these top things. Yes, we like to, this is the, in case this is the first time you're listening to this, this is the section in which we like to rank random items. So it could be foodstuffs. For example, we've done uh, top three uh, sandwich fillings, Yeah, I think. In biscuits. The top three biscuits. We've also done more... Uh, Cerebral. Uh, yeah, we did uh, top three pet peeves. That's not cerebral. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's I mean, true, like, yeah. I mean, like, books and things. Oh, cultural. Cultural. The culture. Yeah, we don't ever do anything actually cerebral, do we? <laughs> Top three physics equations. <laughs> anyway, so what are we doing uh, this month, So Well, I don't know about you, but I've been enjoying that summer sun, and there's nothing I like more than a little drinky in my hands. Indeed. Well, we were thinking this would be a little toast to... To Megan's yep. <laughs> new baby. We're wetting the baby's head. So exactly. <laughs> From all the way across the ocean. So, yes, we're... Well, do they have to be alcoholic? Mine are. Okay, <laughs> go. I don't want you to make me look like a boozer. No, mine has a... Mine have variables, so okay. we can go... So it's top three um, summary beverages. Yes. But well. my, mine are all alcoholic. Okay. <laughs> Very well. well maybe it happens. Maybe you could start with yours, and then when we're feeling a little bit, like, sozzled, we can move on to my slightly refreshing ones. Okay, yeah. So we're starting out early after, you know, say it's it's sunny, yeah. it's Sunday, it's past Sunday. midday. Sunday? You're drinking on a Sunday, what? <laughs> past midday, Sophie. Sun's over the yardstick somewhere. Exactly. And you think, you know what would be nice? Little sit-down in the sunshine, little tipple. Nice. What are you going to go for? Well... Uh, anybody who's met me before will be not surprised to find out that at number three I have gin and tonic. Very but nice. to, for it to be more summery, uh, you can replace the tonic with a delicious rose lemonade, a very specific Ooh, one, then it's pink. That sounds really it's nice. It's really, really yummy. Or actually fizzy grapefruit. So also basically pink. I'm just saying gin with something <laughs> fizzy, which doesn't really count, does gin it? Gin plus another liquid. Maybe I'd go for the grapefruit, actually. Okay. Gin and grapefruit. That's, that's good. You know what's also good? Tequila and grapefruit. I think it's tequila and gin. I was like, <laughs> this took a turn very sharply already. <laughs> oh dear. Um, yes. Uh, maybe a little slice of cucumber if it's a regular gin and tonic. Oh, I do like a bit of cucumber and gin. Put a cucumber yeah. in there. Nice. Okay. At uh, number two, um, I have Shandy. Shandy, yes. Oh boy, do I love Shandy. So Shandy is lager with lemonade. Yes. Because I remember starting life as a waitress and someone asked for a Shandy and I just went to the bar because I didn't drink at all. and just was like, they want a Shandy. They're like, what, you know, they gave me all these variants, the bartenders. Right, because you can have like a bit of Shandy. Right, that was it. And they asked me and I was like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm. 
I think if you just say shandy, you normally mean lager with... Well, in my experience, that means just lager and lemonade. Right. But there are variations. There, You can also have a lager top, which oh, is, yeah. of course, so that's just a like, little bit of lemonade psh, in there. Just like... Psh. That's yeah. the lemonade amount that you get. A little bit of sweets. The problem with Shandy... Uh, the good thing about Shandy is if you are sitting around drinking all afternoon in the sunshine, you know, the alcohol is watered down. Yeah. So you're uh, staying hydrated. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you drank water, you'd probably be more hydrated. But that's yeah, a technicality. It's a technicality. Um, so that's good. But it is very sweet. Yes. So quite a sweet, sweet little drink there. Sweet. But I love Shandy. And what's number one? Number one is mojito Ooh. with some kind of fun fruit in it, just for fun. Oh, yeah. I love mojitos so much. And um, my sister used to make them sometimes with, like, smashed up strawberries in them or smashed up raspberries in them. That sounds delicious. So you've got, like, the mint and the strawberry together and then the the sugar and the rum and it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm all there. the ice. I'm there. So he's nodding frantically. <laughs> yes. Um, and I know that mojitos don't traditionally come with little cocktail umbrellas, but, I mean... I'm sorry, I think most drinks should come with cocktail umbrellas. That's what, great. That's what makes it a scotch on the rocks, the umbrella, right? <laughs> yeah, and you've got to have the little umbrella to keep, help keep your drink cool. And then you put it in your hair, you're like, I had a drink. Check it out. That's nice. the sort of like 5pm, uh-oh, it's time to go home. I've been drinking in the sunshine all afternoon. There's an umbrella in my hair. The end. <laughs> well, good. Now, um, well, I want to choose... You're going to show me up with your alcohol-free well, beverages. I, I want to choose all of yours now. So, I'm <laughs> no, I think I'm number three, because um, I had it last night. It's fresh mm. on my mind mm. and on my palate. And I basically chose it because it sounded the most ridiculous drink at the bar. Because saying it, I kind of cringed a little bit while I said it. So it was a froze. <laughs> <laughs> but I made a big show of being like, uh, can I have the froze? <laughs> Did they enjoy that? And then I said, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. What is it? Uh, it's like slushy rosé wine with raspberry cordial. <sighs> That's amazing. It was very delicious. Oh my God. I, you know what? Why was none of that slush? I love slushy drinks. Yeah. Like I've been known to drink a, vlo- a vodka slush puppy very oh. recently. Oh, okay. Anyway, that wasn't, that's not really a summary. But frosé. So you frose. would recommend the frosé experience. Yeah. But then when they came, they're like, who ordered the frosé? And I was like, me. <laughs> I like the name. It made me laugh. So that was good. That was good. Number two, ginger beer in its two states as an alcoholic fun beverage. Yeah. I always feel like for summer it's like fiery tastiness. Do you love ginger beer? And then trotting around London town, you get the cans of ginger beer. It's like Jamaican mm, uh, ginger good. beer. Yeah. I went through a phase of drinking a lot of them and I think it was, I think I was actually slightly addicted. Because they're very sugary, and then I sort of realised how much sugar there was. But that's a fun thing. It makes me feel summery. Walking around London with a little can of ginger beer. Yeah. Non-alcoholic, because, you know. Delicious. I've got trains to catch. <laughs> Delicious. Um, so, what have you got for number one? Number one is kind of a creation of my own, <gasps> which I've borrowed from working in various places. So, you have mint. Mm-hmm. I'm growing some mint, which makes it even better. Very, you know, the mint leaves are quite small. <laughs> Like picking tiny little leaves. They're fun size, like when you get the mini fun Mars bars. <laughs> That's what I'm growing. Fun <laughs> size mint. Um, and then you have that, and then lots of ice, and then elderflower cordial. I love elderflower. Cordial. And then sparkling water. That's if you're having your daytime. Like that's just refreshing. Mm-hmm. But for fun times, put gin in it. <laughs> that should just be a bumper sticker for fun. For fun times, <laughs> add gin. <laughs> and there you go. I'm pretty happy for the rest of the summer. 
though I mean I like I think that's possibly the closest we've been in in food terms in a while yeah. that was pretty similar that was actually we should go for a drink sometime oh actually we got share a picture what are you doing now <laughs> picture of gin and tonic <laughs> neither of us said pims oh all oh, right British well. enough I don't know about pims how do you feel about pims I like it but I think I've Sometimes I've indulged in it a little too much, and then... Is it something you associate with being a little tiddly when you're a bit too young? Uh, when I say young, like, maybe, like, 17. Yeah, but, like, yeah, yeah, so not not crazily young, but when you still hadn't quite worked out how drinking works, and yeah. maybe you did it a bit wrong. Yeah. Because that's what I associate Malibu with. I can't drink <laughs> Malibu, because it reminds me of being about 17 and drinking too much Malibu. Or vodka cranberry. Right, yes, yeah. yes. Oh. Anyway, this is a topic for... <laughs> Some other time. Some other time. Drinks but... to drink when you're in your late teens. <laughs> well, we hope that wherever you are, whatever you're drinking, whatever you're knitting, you're having a lovely time. And you're feeling summery, but ready for autumn. But re- re- remember, <laughs> you're ready for autumn. <laughs> um, and yeah, we'll see you next episode on the podcast. We certainly will. Until thanks. then. Thanks for listening. Bye! Podcast is produced by Lydia Gluck and Sophie Scott, with lots of help from Eli Block, who created the original music for the show. For more Eli-related music, go to goodgirlandthebadtimes.com. Thanks, as always, to Megan, co-creator and editor of Compom Quarterly, and to Amy, who is much like a cable cast on, a firm support and foundation we all rely on. Thanks to our interviewee, Tom of Holland, and also thank you to Kate of Yak for letting us use her shop to record it. And also, of course, a big thank you to all you Pompom buyers, subscribers, and listeners. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and why not leave a review? Why not? (laughs) Send any feedback or ideas to podcast at pompommag.com and don't forget to keep in touch with us via the podcast group on the Pompom Ravelry Forum.